from the corner of Lakeside and uh, 9th? Yeah, 6th? further down the street. It's a new Selby is Godcast live from Tribe Fest, though you won't be listening to this live, so it's not really live. TJ Zuppi, Zach Meisel, what is up? It, it is live to us, I will say, and it could have been live to the gentleman that stopped us on our way over here to say that he loves the podcast. You should have invited him in. I thought about it, but I thought it might get awkward for him, and then it also, we had to basically complete a corn maze to find a quiet spot so zach dropped in through the ceiling you won't get this reference but mission impossible style like he was freaking ethan hunt jason grimsley his way into this room so that we could actually record this podcast today and bring it to you in a place where there's not just a (coughs) like we're in the club with the pa announcer just going nuts in the background and all sorts of things going on you don't know if you're going to hear whistles or banging on trash can wait wait, i'm not at an astros game never mind No, that was just John Adams with his drum. (laughs) What is the stop? John Adams from sitting out in left field with a pair of binoculars and then just pounding on his drum, whatever the pitch may be. If it's a a knuckleball, then he he offers three bangs on the drum. If it's a screwball, an EFIS pitch. That's why people have been accusing the Indians of stealing signs for 40, what was this first season? 47 years now? (laughs) It's got to be it. Unfortunately, Indian's hitter's been crossed up the whole time. He just keeps pounding on it. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, so this is an annual tradition now, but uh, you know we kick off random jersey sighting season with the jerseys they have for sale at Tribe Fest. I believe these used to be fifty dollars a piece, and they're now a hundred bucks each. Um, but you had a theory on that. Well, what have you done every year for the past three or four years now? You chronicle random jersey sightings at games through Twitter, and at the end of the year, throw them together one giant article that people can enjoy where? Where can people enjoy your work? Are you that confused by it? Podbean, Stitcher. talking about the podcast. The Athletic? Your actual writing. Okay. Just trying to let you give yourself a plug, but apparently you've never done that before in your life. And so my theory is... These, these jerseys used to be eh, somewhat of a novelty item, but now they're kind of in demand. And why are they in demand? Because you've made them so. So I think the markup in these jerseys is at least partially related to you. So I'm helping ownership make money? Yeah. And it's not being reinvested in the roster. So you're part of the problem. <laughs> no, I'm trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> How many damn articles are you going to have to write for the Indians to keep Francisco Lindor? That's a good question. But I wanted to ask you which of these you would most likely spend $100 on. I mean, if if we look at the list, and I tweeted it out, so I don't want to have to read every name here. But there are some some good ones. Niger Morgan, maybe? That's a pretty good item. Do you remember Matt Trainer? He's a catcher in spring training in 2014. Uh, Yes, I remember. He... He he picked on Nick Camino every day about... uh, Fashion. What, what, fashion, yeah. No, no, I would not want a, a trainer jersey, though. Michael Martinez? Probably not, just for fear of what anyone might think when I walk down the street in one of those jerseys, what kind of bad memories I would be relaying to anybody else. Zach Walters, but he'd never see that you bought it because he's blocked everybody on Twitter. <laughs> I, still, I still can't get past the, the walk-off home run that he hit. And Against Arizona. And First game of a doubleheader. 
So we go into the clubhouse and it was the most awkward thing. It was like he had never done a scrum with reporters before because it was like a, what do I do with my hands scenario? Only it was for Zach Walters, it's what do I do with my body? (laughs) And so he dragged a chair into the middle of the clubhouse, not even to his locker, not even to a locker, but he dragged it into the middle of the room and we all circled around him and it was very odd. I thought we were going to do the Jewish tradition where you lift the person up in the chair and... (laughs) The Hora, I think. Uh, that was that was that. The, that was the Kipnis thing. So, um, Jeff Manship. I mean, what do you like here, Marlon Bird? Marlon Bird, uh, Chris Jimenez. If you put that jersey on, you just don't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Love Chris Jimenez. Colin Cowgill, maybe. Uh, if, what if you could just get together the entire 2016 starting outfield for the Indians with was Colin Cowgill, Marlon, Marlon Bird, Bird who was in was Rajay Davis. Might have been Rajay, yeah. So they started against a lefty, so there was no Tyler Naquin. There will be people who say, oh, it's okay that the Indians opening day starting outfield is Jake Bowers, Delino DeShields, and <laughs> Jordan Luplo. Because in 2016, it was Bird, well, Davis, and probably Cowgill, and they went to the World for Series. That. It probably should think about not making it so it's the, not the exception and trying to make it the rule. Movie expert John Axford, him and I had nothing in common. <laughs> no, no, you you weren't really up to date on who the Oscar worthy picks were. And I can't grow a cool mustache. Uh, I mean, any of these would be truly great. Um, you can increase your spin rate and work on your curveball with Neil, Ram- Neil Ramirez and his jersey. Uh, Mickey Calloway was kind of interesting, but uh, I'll say uh, just because of our linking of a, a common show that both of us found to be enjoyable. I'll take the Jason Berager. Peaky Blinders? And watch Peaky Blinders. I think I, I mentioned that to Tito, and he didn't even acknowledge me saying that. I don't know if him and Beret are not on good terms. It, well, I guess it wasn't a great way for me to try to sell Tito on, the, on watching Peaky, Peaky Blinders. But Tito said to watch Goliath, Bad Blood, and Taken. And Blindspot? Did he say, like, Blindspot? Uh, he kept rambling. He kept looking at me and saying, you got to watch this, you got to watch this. And I'm the guy who has not seen anything. <laughs> then he's asking, it's with this actor or actress from this movie, which I've never, like, go to somebody else, man. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're just, I'm talking to your wife through you about a show that you're not watching. She was morning. watching it this morning, yeah. Yeah, as, as she's watching The Circle, and it's I think my circle. wife and I are a couple episodes behind where your wife is at. And, uh... The dumbest show I've ever seen, but yet it is the most addicting thing I've ever seen. The minute it's over, I'm going to be sad and already waiting for season two. Shout out to The Circle. I'm just rewatching The Office for the 83rd time. Um, So we're at Tribe Fest. Spring training starts in less than two weeks. And Tito, I thought, made a salient point. It's probably time to start focusing on what the Indians have instead of what they don't. I think a lot of people would be upset about that and wouldn't want to focus on what they have. I think the point here for Tito is what else would you say as the manager? If you, somebody on Twitter had said, I wish Tito would show some fire and and hold the the front office, well, front office, as Tito said yesterday. I don't think Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff were just running to the door ready to throw Kluber into the the garbage. Probably didn't want to have to make that trade, but they did. Uh, And that's because of, ownership and the parameters have been put in place and maybe some fans do want to see Tito rip into the Dolans a little bit and want to pressure them to spend some money but think put yourself in in Francona's shoes if you were to say 
we don't have enough. And you say it on the record. We, we don't have enough. We need to be looking for more. The guys that we have here are not enough. How do you then go into that room and then convince the guy? Let's say a move doesn't happen. How do you then go into the room and look those guys in the eye and say, you guys are enough and we think you guys can compete? I think it puts him in a no-win situation to be forced to say those things. So I wouldn't expect a guy that we know to be someone that defends players and tries to, and was a player himself, tries to put himself in players' shoes. I'm not surprised at all. It's a line that we've heard many times about just focusing on the guys that they have. So I, I was not surprised at all. It's the company line, and he's he's – Noted it pretty well here for his entirety here in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I think the Indians can win the 2020 World Series and we can still say that that doesn't excuse the ownership approach to this offseason. Um, I mean, it's it still does not make any sense why you'd hold on to Francisco Lindor and not put the absolute best team you possibly can again around him. Um, but at the same time, we've said it, like it's still a good roster. They still could win some games, win the division, and who knows what happens in October. It's just why rely so much more on variance than maybe you need to. Um, so or increase increase your odds. That's and and it, a place we said this a couple of podcasts ago, where the Indians are out on the win curve, it makes more sense to be looking to add two to three wins, which could be the difference in this division. Looking at it right now and trying to forecast it still feels way too early to be doing it. But if I had to put win totals on everybody, I'm probably thinking twins somewhere in the 93 94 win category indians somewhere in the 90 91 category and white Sox maybe 86 87 sounds about right but uh, that also means that all three of those teams can win the division yeah it's putting them all within a yeah. stone th- stone's throw of being able to do it so my point is look how close you are and i know the josh donaldson thing i, th- I think that took what could have been a pick between the indians and twins and firmly put the twins in position to be as, at least projecting-wise, the, the strongest team in the division, despite all the weaknesses that they might have in their, their pitching staff, particularly in the starting rotation. But I, I, we're still talking about two or three wins can change the entire course of the season from a projection standpoint. If things happen in a season that you, you don't forecast, you don't foresee, and the projections can't possibly take into account. But to me, finding a little bit more stability, raising the floor, as we've said, whether that's through... Yasiel Puig, whether that's through a guy like I talked about it here recently, Brock Holt, I think would be a nice fit for the roster. Those guys might not seem like overwhelmed, like they're not in the Josh Donaldson realm, but I don't think you need that to position yourself a little bit better in this division because, as we said, we're in a position here where we're looking at the team and uh, one or two or three wins might end up deciding this thing. Yeah. Was there anything Tito said yesterday about the roster that you found interesting something you didn't know something yeah i still don't know why they're playing this game with mercado where they're yeah. just not going to stick him in center field because that, that tells me they like to shields more than they should yes and and that that's also something that stood out to me that they're thinking of of how to get to shields at bats it kind of seems like what they were thinking about with raj a few years ago like that maybe that's the role i think they envision the shields playing clearly strong defender clearly still valuable on the bases but hitting it's kind of a problem I'm not expecting him to run into an Aroldis Chapman fastball in the World Series and knock it over the fence. It's not among my expectations for this year. Uh, so maybe they're thinking against some lefties, Mercado shoots over to a corner position. But as we saw last year, Mercado was more comfortable in center field, and he was pretty good out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess around with it too much. Now, at least he said he's an everyday player. But 
I think his, his most valuable position is just putting him in center field and, and trying to position your offense around that. Sounds like they're going to give Framo Reyes every opportunity to claim corner outfield spot, um, which is going to be interesting because I think Bobby Bradley probably makes the team if he has a decent spring and Reyes is an outfielder. And it's like, it's kind of out of his hands. And like Jake Bowers, like probably has a better chance of making the team if Reyes is a DH. And like Luplo probably gets more playing time against righties if certain things happen. Like it, it's, everything has a ripple effect. And I think the Fran Mill position decision is probably step one. Yeah, I would agree. Because as Tito has even talked about this last year. He likes the flexibility of having the DH be able to bounce around. It's nice if you could just plug in a guy that has an 850 OPS in your DH spot. Okay, well, not everyone has that luxury. He's going to hit 47 home runs this year. That's my prediction. That's oddly specific. Um, But there is some benefit if you don't have a a guy that just crushes and you just put a DH, that you can move that that around a little bit, and you can be flexible. You can give guys a day off, get guys off their feet, and and just worry about getting your best offensive guys that are in the best rhythm the most at-bats. I just remember the balls won't be juiced. We don't, well, maybe not. I'm going to say 43. <laughs> so those extra, four, those extra four balls that he's crushing into the 47th deck in the stadiums that he's playing in? Yeah. All right. Fair 43 enough. home runs. All right. Mark it down, along with my predictions, that all these will be completely garbage by year's end. Spring training. Yeah. We're recording this. It's 10 days away till pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, and I, th- I still think it, we keep harping on it, but it's, I, I, I feel disappointed that more wasn't done this offseason. And it still could potentially be done, but there just haven't, hasn't been a lot of reason to believe that that's the case. I don't remember who tweeted this. Someone tweeted it this weekend, and they said, if I'm a fan, why should I buy tickets? What is What have the Indians done over the last basically two years to – convince me that I should invest my time and money into your product it's a great point like they're a good team and if you're a loyal fan you're probably buying tickets anyway but I know some loyal fans have been turned off by how things have unfolded here and um, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense and the problem is that the stability in the front office and the loyalty everybody has means you're not going to get, you know, some leaked source. This isn't like the NFL or the NBA where players run to the media, first sign of um, discontent. Yeah, discontent. Like, you're not going to get Antonetti or Turnoff or Francona to say, like, this is bullshit. Like, what are we doing here? So to the fans, it sends, like, a really weird message. And it's disappointing. I mean, we said this last year where it was like, you're hosting the All-Star Game. This is supposed to be a year where Cleveland can be like, it can be a season-long celebration. And it wasn't. Um, and this year, you know, Lindor's here. I think a lot of people thought that he, he might not be. He is. And yet it's still like so lukewarm. And, and what's the plan? It's just, it, it's a weird vibe. And I think a lot of fans seem so put off by what happened Last offseason, this offseason, where it's like... Yeah, I think some of last offseason has bled into this offseason. Yeah. It's not to say that Cesar Hernandez isn't an upgraded second base. Sure. And that there aren't some young guys here that could make strides and 
and step in. You could make the case that they're better off beginning the season in 2020, their roster, than where they were at in 2019. And if it's very realistic that Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez are just superstars. I think we both agree they're going to be a better team this year than they were last year, regardless of the win total. The roster is better. Right. Well, the win total is going to fluctuate because some team – we actually have some teams now in baseball that aren't trying to suck. The White Sox are going to be decent. You've you've seen some teams make some moves where they're not completely all about losing. But it's still how you get there that matters to fans too. Like you need to give them reason for excitement. Yeah, I mean, I understand where the frustration comes from. And it's unfortunate because it is a good team. And it would be nice if we could just talk about all the things that are positive. It gets to the point where even if you say anything positive, it always there's always this shadow that hangs over to a certain extent in some people's minds that is always going to cloud whatever positivity you could you could have about this team. We had Eno Saris tweet something positive about uh, just looking at stuff, metrics that can evaluate stuff, and some some research that he did, and he's got on this top 10 list of relievers in stuff, which doesn't mean they're going to get outs, but stuff is stuff, Karen Check and Klasse are one and two. And I just put a eyes emoji. And we've heard similar things from other people yeah, it's not around the league. not something that's completely shocking. Um, and we've spent a lot of time talking about the things about the Kluber, Clay, Kluber trade that we didn't like. But as I said at the time, you can still like Klasse and still scratch your head at the totality of the, the Kluber trade. Right. But the point is, you can look at something here that's kind of positive and might be fun to watch these two guys for the next six years go in and tear into American League clubs um, and, and hold down that bullpen. And someone responded, yeah, but what about the payroll? What about the outfield? And, and it's always going to be a problem for some to be able to separate those sorts of things, to be able to say, this is going to be fun, but also I have disappointments in this parts of the roster. And as far as that goes, the only people to blame for that are the Dolans and the parameters that they put in place for this organization. Yeah. I mean, it's... There's got to be... There's some disconnect between that level of the organization and fan sentiment. Like, that, they just... They don't get... I mean, and it, it's... Every time he sticks his foot in his mouth, it's just confirming that. Where it's... it's when you have a team with this much young talent and this many, like, Lindor's a household name, Ramirez is a household name, this time of year should be just full of optimism. Like, people should, like, the radio station should be talking about the Indians all the time. And yet, there are, like, these self-inflicted hurdles that fans, it's February, and, like, yeah, some fans are like, hey, it'll be nice to get the season going so we can stop talking about all this. But there are a lot of fans who are like, yeah, it'll be nice to get the season going, but I'm still fucking pissed. <laughs> like, and I get it. I mean, I think we see, we see, we understand it. So it's when the, you view your team as close and you don't see your team doing enough, right. that's where the frustration comes from. Yeah, and, and I mean, I look at the American League, and it's like you had the division to yourself for several years, where it's like now is not the time to treat it <laughs> like oh, maybe we'll win it. Now is the time to treat it like shit. We better get our stuff together and. And build a more talented roster. And it doesn't have to be stuff that, and they've said this many times over the past few months, it's been years too, but that they don't want to go through these periods where they're going to be bad. And they're trying to avoid, like other franchises go through those cycles where you go through some rough times. They're trying to avoid that. They're trying to be as good as long as possible. But there are things that can still be done that don't 
take away from that. Right. It's particularly in free agency and, and looking for guys that help the fringe part of your roster, that offer more stability, more depth, more guys that are at least something that you can count on, even if it's even slightly above average offensive production or slightly uh, predictable bullpen help or whatever, just something that raises the floor of this of this team. Well, because here's my question. You know, you got rid of Bauer, you got rid of Kipnis, you moved Kluber, payroll's down to $90 million. What's going to happen next year when Lindor's going to make $27 million in ARB? Clevenger's going to make $10 million in ARB? You know, just what, trade Kluber again. Well, that, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> is like you're just at some point you have to just realize, hey, this is elite talent. It's really yeah. hard to develop this. We should keep it and build around it. And then when Lindor leaves in two years, drop the payroll to seventy-five. Like, I think fans would rather see you. And I hate the term like "go for it" or "go all in," but like when push, you have a kid it. like Lindor here, you have to do a little more than you've been doing. Yeah, I, I disagree with something that, and I don't know that Tito meant this the way that it came out, but he said it's a challenge to build around a guy like Francisco Lindor in the final two years, and it shouldn't be because it's a gift. <laughs> he's a, he's fantastic, as Tito said. He's one of the premier players at his position, one of the premier players or people in baseball. It shouldn't be a challenge to to be able to build around that sort of talent. It's it's not like that. Oh well, we can't can't find anybody to play with LeBron. No yeah. one can no one can succeed playing with LeBron. No, no, that's not how this should go. It's a super talented player that you're getting seven wins from in the middle of your diamond, all in one spot. It should make it easier to build the rest of the team around that sort of guy. Especially since for the first, I mean, even now he's still so underpaid based on his market value. I mean, it's it's yeah, you're right. It shouldn't be this difficult. As we are here at Tribe Fest, and we have found a space to record this, and people are trying to get in. Well, they're big fans of the podcast, and they want to... Just want to bang on the windows and let us know that they're here. We appreciate you. We can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to help support the podcast, you can find us over at Anchor. You can follow us on Twitter at TJZoopy, at Zach Meisel. And, of course, on Twitter, at Selby is Godcast. And I know people might be listening to this after Tuesday, but if you're looking at the calendar, not quite Tuesday yet. We do have something special. What day special. is it? Uh, October? We do have something special coming up that you mentioned last podcast, but uh, if for anyone that missed it, why don't you do another plug? Tuesday, February 4th, 6.30 p.m., Bottle House Brewery in Lakewood on Madison Avenue. Cleveland Sports Trivia Night fundraiser for our buddy Matt Lodi. Um, there are still tickets remaining as of time of recording this on Saturday, uh, but we expect a pretty good crowd, and it should be fun. Some difficult trivia questions. All your favorite Cleveland sports media members will be there. Tickets are $20 a person. Um, you can buy them now if you go to Eventbrite and search Lodi. Um, I know we've all tweeted it out as well. You can find the link. Uh, $20 a person, or you can just RSVP now, pay cash at the door, or if you want, you can just donate. There's a, a link to do that as well. So we'd love to see everybody out there. Um, and again, if you've left our podcast a five-star review, put it on my tab on Tuesday night, uh, whenever you want. Yeah, that, that's sufficient for parting words, I think, for this week. Uh, we do have some cool things coming up in the near future. Uh, of course, going to try to review another game before the, the start of the have year. Have you finished watching that game? <laughs> I haven't even started that. Need to block out like a week. Um, 
but we will have that coming up in the weeks ahead. And something else I really wanted to do last year that we didn't get to do. As Tito on his hog speeding by. <laughs> Is that the first time he's ridden that in like a three-year period? Um, Sandy Leone's like, what in the hell did I sign up for? <laughs> <laughs> um, and also something, as I said, something that I wanted to do last year we didn't get to it, but I think would be fun. I want to do a an Indians Jacobs Field slash Progressive Field draft between the two of us and the parameters of this draft is I want to be able to select between the two of us want to be able to select any player from this era the catch is we can't both select Kenny Lofton to be center field so let's say you pick Kenny Lofton to be your center fielder not only do you pick Kenny Lofton you're picking a season so whatever season you want of that particular player. And once that pick is off the board, that player is completely off the board. So that player can only be used one time in one season, and that's your pick. And then 2013, the Matt Crash Carson. He batted like 667. How did you already know that my third pick would be that? Uh, but I am hope we can get that done before spring training, too, so we'll have some more fun stuff coming up in addition to our bitching and moaning and then occasionally pointing to the positive things about what could be fun about the season ahead. Yeah, it's hard to be negative when the sun's out in Arizona. <laughs> and your fourth trip to Panda that day. <laughs> uh, until you're stuffing your face with orange chicken and broccoli beef and whatever you happen to be devouring at uh, Sweet Panda. Fire. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, and until we meet again, hope everyone has a good week. We hope to see you on Tuesday, and we are out of here. See you. The Selby is Godcast, featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi, is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Selby is Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Selby is Godcast. Thanks for listening.